Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir and our praise team. Thank all of you for taking part in, in worship this morning, for singing. You know, singing is important uh, when we come together in worship. And so thank you for taking a part. I hope those who uh, were at home or wherever you might be and tuned in in other ways that you were able to worship with us should have the words on your screen. And I hope you were singing along with us. Several months ago, I listened to a sermon on singing. And I got to thinking, you know, I've never preached on just singing. And Dr. Jeremy Morton who's pastor of First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, preached a sermon on singing. And I'm thinking, Lord, I, I want to I preach a sermon on singing. And this morning, I want to share with you a sermon that I've entitled, it's, it's Time to Sing. It's Time to Sing. And in just a few minutes, you can go ahead and find it, but it'll be a while before we get to the passage you can look at Exodus, or we'll be looking at Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. But we're going to have as our text this morning, verses 1 through 3 of Exodus 15. And then a little later, we'll turn over to the book of Revelation, and we'll look at Revelation chapter 5, and we'll look at verses perhaps 9 through 12. But I want us to think about singing. It's time to sing. Have you ever wondered why we sing to the Lord? You ever wonder why we come to church as a congregation and we sing to the Lord? Do we sing as a congregation for just kind of a space filler to take a place in the order of service and let's put a song here and a song here and a song there and and then we've taken up the space and taken up the time. We have to kind of be time conscious because uh, we're on the radio and they cut us off where we're finished or not. And we're on YouTube and Facebook and we want to make sure everybody hears the entire worship service, including the sermon. So we have to be careful. We have to watch our time. You know, I had a professor tell me years and years and years ago, the most valuable thing that a person has, they give to you on Sunday morning. And that's your, their time. Never had thought of that. And then he went ahead and said this. If you abuse their time, they'll give it to someone else or some, take it to someplace else. Never have forgotten that. And so why do we sing? What's the purpose of singing? Is, do we come together and sing just to allow our pianist and, and our guitarist to play their instruments? No, that's not the reason we sing. Do we sing because... Uh, we, we're singing for entertainment. Maybe we're just trying to entertain people that are viewing, people that are here. I, I pray that you enjoy our worship service. I enjoy our worship service. We have what's known as a blended service. We don't have all praise music. We don't have all hymns. We just kind of have a little of everything, and, and I really like that. But, but we don't sing for your entertainment. If you came to be entertained, that's not our purpose for singing. For you see, the main reason that we have this public congregational worship, and the Bible speaks theologically of congregational singing from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the last book of the Bible, speaks of congregational singing. And the reason that we sing is that we have a Savior named Jesus who is worthy of our song. It's all about Jesus. 
And we live in a country now where we have the freedom to come together. And we come together for worship and we come together and we're able to sing. And we can sing in this country, we can sing lyrics and we can sing words that are, are right out of the Bible. And we can sing in a building that's, that's beautiful, it's spacious, God's been so good to us, and we have a, a great sound system, and it's, kindly, it's cool in the summer, and it's kind of warm in the winter. Uh, and then we have people surrounding us who, who, uh, who, who agree with what we're, what we're singing. And so the point is, if we come to church and we don't sing, or we won't sing, Who's the problem? Helen Keller said this, I quote, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight, but no vision. But you know, I, think of, I can think of something that's worse than that. Consider this, to have a voice and profess to be a born-again believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, but not use your voice for the public celebration of glorifying and praising your Lord. That's pretty bad. Charles Wesley said this, he says, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. So why do we sing unto the Lord? Well, in Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 3, if you want to follow along. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord and spoke, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its riders he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. He's a warrior, a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army has cast, he has cast into the sea, has chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. Heavenly Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had to come and worship you and to sing praise songs and hymns to you, Lord. I pray that you'll speak to all of our hearts here this morning, those viewing other, by other methods, and, and Lord, to, to speak to our hearts in regards to singing, singing to you, singing unto the Lord. Share with us today how important it is for us as believers to sing unto the Lord. Use our time, I pray, this morning. Speak to our hearts. Speak to us personally, and I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, um, when you look at Exodus chapter 15, Exodus 15 is just a song of praise, a song of worship that's celebrating a miracle that took place in Exodus chapter 14. Now, what took place in Exodus 14? Well, God set the Israel, he, he sent the Israelites out of Egypt. He got them out of Egypt. He got them through the first part of their wilderness journey. And now they're standing at the edge 
of the Red Sea, at the water's edge of the Red Sea. The sea's in front of them. Pharaoh's army is, is fast approaching. They have nowhere to go in front, and he's behind. And they're kind of in a predicament, and all of a sudden, God instructed Moses to lift his staff. Moses obeyed God, and when he lifted his staff, the waters departed, and at least one million plus Israelites walked across the Red Sea on the bottom of the sea, dry land, to the other side. Then after the Israelites had crossed over, the Egyptian army pursued them, and while they were between the banks of the Red Sea, all of a sudden the mighty waters came crushing back in on the, on the Egyptian army and drowned Pharaoh's army. Israel crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and experienced salvation, and the Egyptian army was completely destroyed. One event, two different outcomes. Now, there's a pattern in the Bible. It's what we want to see this morning. There's a pattern in the Bible that we have to know about. Songs and psalms in the Bible celebrate the special events and also the holy character of God. The book of Psalms, also referred to as the Psalter, also referred to as the Songbook of the Bible. In the Songbook of the Bible, the book of Psalms, or the Psalter, 214 times it says, praise the Lord. 50 times it says, let us, let us sing to the Lord. If you remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, after Hannah experienced a prolonged period of infertility, all of a sudden God blessed her with a child. She named her son Samuel. And after Samuel was born, she sang a song. She sang after his birth. 2 Samuel 22, David was rescued from his enemies and after the rescue, God rescued them. After the rescue, David and his army, they sang a song of victory to the Lord. Judges chapter 5, verse 1, you have Deborah and Barak. They were fighting against all odds, uh, all, all odds divinely fighting against the Canaanites. And all of a sudden, uh, their army was victorious. They called out to the to, to God, he heard their voice, he gave them victory, and right after the victory, they sang unto the Lord. You're familiar with this when in Luke chapter 1, after the angel announced to Mary that she would have a son and his name would be Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ child. The Bible says that after uh, she was notified of, of, giving, of going to be able to give birth to the Messiah, that she burst out Burst forth in song, and that song's referred to as the Magnificat. Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, after his faith returned to him, when, when John the Baptist was born, Zechariah sang unto the Lord. So there's something about singing from the people of God after they've experienced God's divine faithfulness and deliverance. It's not unusual for you to sing to the Lord. So today, God wants us to explore the Bible's first congregational song. 
We're going to look at Exodus chapter 15. This is the first congregational song where God's people came together to sing. Then we're going to look at the last congregational song that we can find in the Bible. But the first time the Bible speaks of corporate singing is in Exodus chapter 15. And you're going to have to listen real quick because i got a lot to share with you. So the, the first uh, occasion of group singing to the Lord and to the Lord is found in Exodus 15. Notice, if you will, Exodus 15 verse 1. Then Moses and the children of Israel sang. Very important. If you're taking notes, number one, point number one, the personal participation of all the people as they recognize God's salvation. They recognize God's salvation, and what happened? All the people began to sing. The point is, it was not one watching another sing. Since Moses and the people were saved, both sang unto the Lord. Have you been saved today? Are you singing unto the Lord today? You need to be. Now, before these people sang, if you remember, they didn't sing, but they grumbled and they complained. I mean, all the way from Egypt to the Red Sea, they were grumbling and complaining before that Red Sea crossing. Oh, Moses, why did you bring us up out of Egypt? I mean, you, what did you do, bring us up in order that we could die in this wilderness and shallow graves? However, when you understand who God is and what God's done, that'll silence our complaints and it will inspire praise. It should. Have you ever wondered why you complain? I mean, I've asked myself that question from time to time. Why do I complain? Well, listen, I'll tell you what I've discovered. When I'm focused on people, when I'm focused on the flesh, when I'm focused on problems, my problems... When I'm focused on the world, then I complain. Well, when do I worship? I'll tell you when I worship. When my eyes are lifted above the world, above my problems, above all the flesh, above, above anything that would interfere my relations, with my relationship with the Lord, when I lift my eyes above that and focus on heaven and grace and salvation and forgiveness, I find myself worshiping. Worshiping. So the point is, if you live for the world, you're not going to have a lasting song in your heart. You won't have it. But if you recognize as a child of God that, that your heart was made to be, to, to be in a better home than in this world, then you'll not stop singing until you get to your heavenly home. Now listen, there's something about singing that adds soul to music, that adds, that adds depth to the music, that adds focus to the music, that adds heart to the music, and it, it adds a little rhythm to the music. Something about that. And if we're not singing, then we're missing something. Missing something. They sung in verse 1, a heartfelt worship. They, they sung as an instantaneous response to the intervention of God and his mercy and his grace. They broke out singing. Have you, have you ever walked by maybe uh, and overheard your children singing in another room? Man, don't that bless your heart? 
Maybe you just hear them singing. And, uh, man, it's such a blessing. And we don't criticize. Man, we, we don't criticize them singing because their, their heart is kindly coming to us when they're singing. It's such a blessing to us. So when our heart, when our heart lifts up its voice to God, God's blessed by that. He enjoys that. It's not a professional voice, by all means. It's, you know, we're not performers. This child or these children are not performers, but as a child of his, singing out of gratitude and love for mercy and grace and for salvation, your song will never be rejected by Jesus Christ or by God. Never. And so, first of all, notice personal participation of all the people. Point number two, the people celebrated God who punished evil and defeated injustice. Did you see that in verse three? God is a warrior. God's a man of war. You see, listen, God hates oppression. He hates injustice. God is angry when his people are persecuted, when we're victimized, because he feels our pain. Why is that? We're made in his image. He knows we're hurting. And when Saul of Tarsus was confronted by, by Jesus on the Damascus Road, he says, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Paul's thinking, I'm not persecuting you. Saul's thinking, I'm not persecuting you. I'm, I'm persecuting people. I'm persecuting the church. That's who I'm persecuting. You see, to view God as this eternal one who never gets angry at sin or at the sinner is really a, mischaracteriz a mischaracterization of, of God. We just mischaracterize them because he does get angry at sin and he does get angry at sinners. Look, if you will, at verse 1. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, For he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and its rider, He's thrown into the sea. Look at verse 4. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has cast into the sea. His chosen captains also, his chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea. Verse 5. The depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom like a stone. Verse 6. Your right hand, O Lord, has dashed the enemy into pieces. Verse 7, you have overthrown those who rose against you. You sent forth your wrath. It consumed them like stubble. Verse 8, and with the blast of your nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The floods stood upright like a heap, and the depths, of con the depths congealed in the hearts of the sea. Verse, uh, drop down to verse 10. You blew with the wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Have a lesson in all of that. The lesson is that this is the Bible teaching us that through song we can view God and how God will come to our rescue in times of our problems and times of our trouble. Psalm 97 verse 10 says, You who love the Lord hate evil. You get that? Part of loving God, part of what God, loving what God loves, also is loving to hate what God hates. And so as believers, we're to rejoice that 
evil one day is going to be brought to justice. And in the end, God, the good guys, we're going to win. may not seem that way at times, but we're going to win. And the evil, the injustice is going to be destroyed and it's going to be done away with. And so God is a God that brings about vengeance to his people. Number three, they, wor they worshipped and proclaim God as the most holy God of the universe. Their worship proclaimed God as the most holy God of the universe. Look at verse 11 and 12. Who's like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who's like you, O glorious, you glorious and in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. So they proclaim that God is the most holy God in the universe. They'd been in Egypt for so long, over 400 years, and, they, and Egypt was, uh, uh, you know, they believed in polytheism, polytheism, and they failed to find satisfaction in worshiping many gods, the Israelites did. They didn't have anyone to set them free. They didn't have anyone to row back the Red Sea. No, no, one, no gods in Egypt were able to do that. And verse 11 says, what they were saying is, you know, we're singing to a God who is really set apart, and he's the only God, the only God. We're singing to a God who is very distinct. We may not be able to reach out and touch him, but we know by faith he's there. And he'll always be there. So you can sing about you can sing about your alma mater. You can sing about your favorite football team. You can sing about your dog, your wife, your truck, and all these country songs. But only when you sing about God are you singing about the only one that can can permanently do something about your situation in your life. Remember that. Number four, they sang because they remembered where they were. They didn't forget their past, verse 12 and 13. Never forget God's glorious deeds of his faithfulness in your past. We have a lot to be thankful for here at Mountain View Baptist Church. And at times I just wake up and think how good God's been to us uh, in the past, over the years, previous to the tornado, and then especially after the tornado. Never forget God's glorious deeds of the past. One of our favorite songs we like to sing here is we will remember. We need to remember. Numerous times in the Bible, God says, I, I remembered your ancestors. I'm the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, and I'll be faithful to you as I was faithful to them. And then suddenly God's people here, they realized that they were in a movement of God and he worked, he, he worked in their life just like he worked in their, in their forefathers' lives. And he works in our lives like he works in the lives of the Israelites here. He's always there for us. He's always there working for our good. God's faithful. He's faithful today. He's faithful tomorrow because he was faithful yesterday. Psalm 37, verse 25 says this, I've been young and I've, now I'm old, yet I've not seen the righteous forsaken and his children begging for bread. God's been faithful. And so uh, when our praises go up, his spirit comes down and 
inhabits the voice inflection of our singing. We sing to the Lord because of what he's done in the past and what he's going to do today and what he's going to do tomorrow. And so if you ever feel that God's nowhere around, if you ever feel that he's not close, it won't get any better just standing there like, like you're the man and you're not singing. The way you get a breakthrough is to sing by faith, to start singing. We sing because God has worked. He's acted in the past. Number five, and I'm about finished. They wor their worship was an evangelistic witness to the outsiders. Look at verse 15, 16. Verse, verse 14, Look at ver the people will hear and be afraid. Sorrow will take hold of the inhabitants of Philistia, and then the chiefs of Edom will be dismayed, and the mighty men of Moab, trembling, will take hold of them. And all the inhabitants of Canaan will melt away, and fear and dread will fall on them by the greatness of your arm. They will be still as a stone till your people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over whom you have purchased. Outsiders heard about their singing. The Edomites heard, the Philistines heard, the Moabites heard, the Canaanites heard. And the Bible says their hearts melted away. Fear, dread fell on them. So the singing of the Israelites became a testimony to those that were outsiders. They heard about Israel singing. I pray that the intensity of our worship on Sunday morning will reach others. May the outsiders be amazed of what happens here at Mountain View Baptist Church. They'll hear of our worship, hear of our singing. You say, well, Brother Sammy, how, how can we sing when a loved one has cancer? Or how can we sing when, when we have a wayward child? Or how can we sing... You know, when we're between jobs. The question is, how can, we, how can we not sing if we expect God to sustain us here on earth and, and not only give us life, but has promised to sustain our life? And so worship isn't worship when life is easy. Worship is powerful when life is real hard, but we don't quit. That's why we sing. It's what causes us to sing read this illustration about Fanny Crosby. 1873, she was staying with a friend in New York. Friend's name was Fabi, uh, Fabi Nays. And uh, this family had put an organ in their house and just got it put in. There was a wealthy family. Only wealthy families could uh, afford uh, uh, an organ. And so... Uh, Fabi sat down and she began to play and she asked Fanny Crosby, she said, uh, what do you think this tune is saying to you? And Fanny Crosby said this, I think I hear, I think I hear blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Moses and the Israelites 
saying, Because the Lord destroyed the Egyptian army and the Red Sea, but he saved his people by grace. And lastly, finally, we sing because only Jesus has the power to save us by his grace through our faith in him. But he also judges those who are too prideful to believe in him. So the Red Sea crossing, this one event, salvation for those who believe, judgment for those who won't believe. That foreshadowing the cross. One event 2,000 years ago, the cross, the cross. For those who are willing to believe salvation, the victory song. For those who reject Christ, judgment, there's no singing. You know there's not going to be any singing in hell. You ever follow that? No singing in hell. There's, there's a lot of crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth, the Bible says, but there's no singing, no music in hell. And if Exodus 15 is the first song in the Bible, where's the second song? The last song. I'll close with that. Look at Revelation chapter 5 and we're finished. Revelation chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 9 through 12. Revelation 5, verse 9 through 12. Listen to God's word. Last, first song, Exodus, congregational song now. First song, Exodus 15. Last song, congregational song, chapter 5, verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood. And out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on earth. And then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels round the throne, the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying, now some translations have the word singing, saying, or singing with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Think of that. That's the last congregational song that you'll find in God's Word. So if you're not singing about Jesus today, what makes you think that you're going to be in the mood to sing in heaven about him forever? Here's the picture. Those who singing up there are those who unashamedly sing about him down here. Singing here is practice for up there. In closing, let me share this. Be mindful of the time in your life when God's really came through for you and provided for you. Ask yourself, did I sing? Give thanks and praise for his faithfulness, the healing, the provisions, his answered prayers. Protected you when you traveled this summer. You thank him for that. Sing unto him. Never forget those times when God came through for you. Number two, don't be silent when it comes to public worship. Don't be silent. Participate in the singing. 
Think less about your ability and think more about his worthiness when we sing. If you have to have perfect conditions before you sing, just remember, he didn't have perfect conditions at the cross when he died for you. Number three, use your car. I jotted this down. Use your car. This is where I use my car to praise God. Driving down the road. How many of you do that? Say amen. Amen. Praise God. Driving down the road. And number four, make sure outsiders pick up on the tune that you're singing. Outsiders being your children, your grandchildren, your spouse. Those who are close to you, do they hear you? Do they hear you singing to the Lord? Can you tell me this morning what your, your wife's favorite song is? Or your husband's favorite song is? Or your parents' favorite song is? Or your children's favorite song? What's the music of your life? What song do you go to when you need a word from God? Do you go to the word or do you go to the world? Remember, God loves to hear you sing, not because you're so good at it, but because you know that he's good. Worship is a public reminder that we're headed for heaven, and one day we're going to sing on the other side. That's what worship's all about. Father, I thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus on singing. And God, you're so worthy for us to sing a song. And God, as we begin to reflect back over the years and how you've taken care of us and sustained us and protected us and watched over us, and we come into a worship service and sit there tight-lipped, mine a million miles away, perhaps. I pray this will be a time that people will seek reconciliation with you as believers for not worshiping you in song singing to you, singing unto you. You spared our lives in so many ways. You've helped us in so many ways. Help us to sing to you, Lord. I mean, Lord, we can talk to you in words, phrases, but, but, but the song is what gets next to your heart. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be singing to you, Lord. Thank you for a time to worship today and just a time to sing. And now during this invitation time, I thank you for every person here. There's decisions that need to be made today. There may be some here or some listening, viewing, whatever, that's never trusted you and only you for their salvation. You've brought them here today at this particular place, particular time, Lord, to respond to this invitation, not our invitation, but your invitation as you call to them, as you speak to their heart, wooing them to you, Lord, for salvation. Father, you came and you died on the cross for our sins. And Father, today we put our faith and trust in you and you promise that we have eternal life when we believe the good news of the gospel that Jesus came and he died and he was buried and he arose again. One day you're coming back. And so I pray that everybody here would be a part of that trip. Speak to our hearts today, I pray. Those who are listening and viewing, I pray, Lord, they'll contact us if they prayed and they ask you to come into their life and save them. They go to our website, Father, and they can 
contact us. But God, I pray for those especially here working our hearts and lives today. And as believers, that we might just use this time to reflect about our worship and say, Lord, forgive me for just coming and listening and not taking part in worship and singing. And so, Father, I pray that we can use this time, Lord, as we reconcile with you, Father, where we've fallen short in regards to our worship. Be with us during this invitation hymn, and I make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Terry's going to come. Well, again, I want to thank you for viewing our worship service. If you'd like to know how you could come to know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, please feel free to contact our church at the address listed. We also encourage you to visit our website, Thank you.